Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. All right, welcome to The Counter. Week one of the NFL season is now officially complete with the uh, entirely insane uh, Monday night game. Chuck, what'd you make of that that Ravens uh, Raiders fiasco there at the end? That that was like legitimately one of the funniest games that I have ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I mean, the, the last what? quarter plus overtime i feel like both teams just like totally forgot like how to play football and like the rules of the game and what you're supposed to do and i I guess like the 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 turning point for me like when i just totally just lost my mind and was howling with laughter was uh that that raiders drive where they had the ball on like the one yard line and they go like quarterback sneak penalty and interception and the interception was just it, it was like a once-in-a-lifetime play because, uh, you know, you have Willie Sneed, who, first of all, was just wide the hell open uh, in the end zone or right in front of the end zone, bounces off his hands. There's a defender behind him. It hits him in the head, and then it bounces into another Ravens' arms. And then, like, three plays later, Lamar Jackson gets sacked, uh, had, like, his second or third fumble of the night, which was, like, kind of uncharacteristic for him, too. And then... I guess John Gruden must have just been fed up with how the game was going and just wanted to end because there was like a second and nine play where they were about to kick a field goal like on second down, which is just hilarious because if that goes wrong and you miss, the other team gets the ball. So like you could have just been handing the Ravens a chance to win the game right. and you still have more chances to play football yourself. Uh, and then they can't find the kicker, so they get a delay of game penalty that knocks them out of field goal range. And on the very next play – Wink Martindale, the Ravens defensive coordinator, does like some Greg Williams crap and goes all out blitz and gets toasted on the back end. And I think it was Zay Jones walked in for a touchdown to end the game. So, I mean, honestly, that description doesn't even do injustice. Like, if you haven't watched it, I'm sure there's somewhere on YouTube where you can go watch the end of this game. It's one of the funniest spectacles I've ever seen on NFL field. It's just so bizarre, man. It's just, I mean, I went, I, I fell asleep. Like, I don't know. The Ravens were just, I I guess they're probably only up a touchdown, but it seemed like they would comfortably walk away with it. I just felt, you know, I think I I saw Lamar, that one play where he sort of drifted to his right and like uh, eventually threw, I think the Hollywood Brown in the back of the end zone. And like, it's just like, there's no way, how do you stop this guy? Like there's, there's no way to defend that. He's just going to do that three more times in the second half, and this game's going to be, you know, 35-17. Right. Uh, so I woke up this morning and <laughs> uh, had to try to catch up, and I was like, wait, what What happened? And then what happened? And then wait, they couldn't find the kicker? Like, uh, I don't even – like, I, I mean, 
that's like an Urban Meyer thing, man, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you're not even. <laughs> Honestly, I, I just feel like if they were able to find the kicker, they probably would have lost. Like, I don't know. Like, the way that that game was going is like, no, no, no. Normal things are not going to happen, even though kicking on second down is not normal uh, whatsoever. Uh, but it, it just kind of seemed like if you kick this field goal, it's not going in. But if you go second and 14, you might be able to score a touchdown. Which is it was just right. it was just one of those games, and honestly, it reminded me of uh, JV football. One time, <laughs> we were playing so poorly, our coach got pissed and punted on third down. <laughs> Did it work? No. Did it send a message to no, you guys? No, because we, we just played. lost the rest of the games. We all hated him after that. So, uh, oh, man. you know, sometimes you should treat your players like players. But that wasn't that yesterday. Wasn't that? I just think John Gruden was like, we had the most batshit crazy. Uh, you know, performance on the goal line where we can't get a quarterback sneak and then we throw an interception from like the five yard line. Let's just try to end this game here, but couldn't do it. And they got lucky on the next play where we're like another funny thing about that last play is you have Zay Jones, who like by all accounts is like, has been one of the worst starting receivers in the NFL since he was drafted, just toasting Marlon Humphrey, who just signed like a five year, a hundred million dollar contract by the Ravens, but one of the best, cornerbacks in the game and honestly up until that play like he had a, a crazy shutdown night like they had him on uh darren waller yeah, most yeah. a lot of the right. night right like, I mean, not only darren waller but they had on darren waller henry ruggs hunter renfro like three totally different players different type uh yeah. and up until that point like i thought he had played a pretty good game and then you know the football gods decided to let them far on the field and that last play was just like a, the perfect encapsulation of everything that happened yeah. yeah yeah i mean it just takes one right i mean it's just one play and there it was uh we are gonna we're gonna go through we'll, we'll probably touch on this game a little bit more we're gonna i think we might talk about every single game it's week one right yeah. like uh there's there's valuable information from everything we'll try not to overreact to it uh seasons longer than ever before uh, 17 games there's more teams making the playoffs too it's you know so, like it feels like this is just the beginning and a lot of this with the way teams smartly play in the preseason now they don't really use uh their their number one guys that much so it, it feels like really we'll understand what these teams are in a week or two or three even um so we'll try not to to, to read too much into this but uh this first week but we'll go through what we did see um and break down some thoughts. We're going to start with your Forverts column, which uh, returned last week. And then this week, you've got observations coming out of the uh, weekend. And I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to lead this thing off with uh, the Falcons getting <laughs> somehow absolutely obliterated by the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, honestly, I, I did not see this coming. I If, if I could have posted like – just my texts and messages <laughs> from that game. Like I wouldn't be working here right now. Like I, it, you know, it, honestly, I'll say this. Like it was kind of nice because for the first time in years, I, I guess I felt like reinvested as a fan because like after after twenty eight to three, like it was so hard to just come back. Like I'm, like I'm just supposed to watch this. Like nothing happened. Like we're just supposed to pretend that we're all good and we didn't just blow like the biggest Super Bowl leading history and also just to plug you know my, my pals over at a uh, secret base if you haven't watched their dorktown uh falcons documentary it's absolutely outstanding and hilarious and 
I, I still haven't gotten the courage to watch the 23 episode, but maybe like, <laughs> I'll, I'll get some drinks me later. We can do that. But, you know, just, just to like, to finally, I guess, get a semblance of new faces around there with Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, I, I've kind of felt like, oh man, like, you know, I, it doesn't quite feel like the same operation, even though right. we, st- we still got Matt Ryan here. Uh, there's like, I think there's only three or four players left on the team uh, from that Super Bowl. So I kind of felt like, even though I, I totally felt and I've written about how they completely wasted the offseason, I was kind of ready to get back and watch them. And they just got absolutely dominated. And not just like in a way where. No, when, yeah. When you look at the score, and it's just like, oh, but I mean, thirty-two to six to a team we thought wasn't going to be very good. Like that stinks. Like blow, blowouts happen. But the way that they lost, it, it was just a physical beatdown. And you have Arthur Smith all offseason talking about the value of toughness, and you know we're not going to do these slogans and taking shots at Dan Quinn uh, for how he was running the team. And then you come out, and it's just like the same soft stuff and and it's like it, it looked like the eagles games that we've seen recently between the falcons and the eagles where you kind of see the value of trench play and one team has lane johnson and jordan maliolata who combined for like 700 pounds and you have jason kelsey on the interior and then one team is starting a third round rookie at left guard who had a 1.4 pass blocking grade from pff uh and honestly when i looked at the the chart, charted stats that they have for Jalen Mayfield, I think it was like eight pressures on 41 snaps. When I went back and watched the game, honestly, I thought that that was kind of generous. Yeah, like to, yeah. to, to not <laughs> punish him further with, with already such an insanely bad stat line. I mean, it, it was just like, it, it, it made me furious, obviously, because I was like, all right, I'm ready to get kind of invested again. And then they just come out and do that stinker. And I'll, and also because I wasn't very high on Nick Sirianni coming out. So right, for right. them to just get demolished like that, it was just all bad. And, and I said a text to my buddy during the game when, you know, Kyle Pitts is out there just fighting for his life, like trying to get something thrown his way uh, while Matt right. while Matt Ryan is running away and getting clobbered by Eagles defenders. Like, don't you think Kyle Pitts wishes he was back in Gainesville right now? Like, during that game, do you think that there was any point where Kyle Pitts was like, you know, I'll take that whatever booster money I was getting from the guys up there like, over this NFL salary right now? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I feel like we owe Nick Sirianni, I, you know, who knows how it's actually going to really play out. But I, I, I was wrong yet because just, right. I think the takeaway from that game is, and we, we can get to it later when we talk about some performances, but I just don't think that it's it, you can really take anything away from what the Falcons put together because they were just so, or what the Eagles put together because they were just so outmatched. I guess the thing that if you're a Nick Sirianni fan, the offense looked like well put together in terms of right. how he was. I, I thought they, hurt. yeah. I mean, they they asked Jalen Hurts to do what Jalen Hurts can do, right? right? Like, I don't know. I you know, he was not throwing a lot of deep passes. I mean, I think he uh, had, you know, that it, it, it was a lot more dump offs, and and they were just sort of keeping it simple for him. Uh, and it's it's interesting to think about what the Eagles' offense looked like last year. And we're going to talk about Carson Wentz when we get to the Colts game, but. You know, Wentz sort of like refused to do simple things. He was, I mean, Carson Wentz, the reason he is so bad as a quarterback is that he tries to make things happen. Uh, and Hurts just did not like, 
he sort of had a game plan in front of him and he just did it. Uh, his average pass traveled, I think, like three and a half yards past the line of scratch. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the, the, the least of any quarterback. Uh, you know, so it was just sort of a, a game plan that he could operate. Uh, you know, obviously having Devonta Smith was like a huge Oh, he was great. Game changer for the Eagles to, to just have a real wide receiver. Uh, and, and like you said, you know, the offensive line, both both lines were were much better uh, than, than Atlanta. So, yeah, I don't know, you know, who knows how it'll play out. And, and I think Arthur Smith's going to figure it out. But like this was his wake up call that he doesn't have Derrick Henry. Right, like you right. can't. Yeah. You know, it's just not going to work the same way. Like how he didn't get. Pitts more involved though is like I don't, I don't know man you just got you got to get the ball in his hands yeah. right and, and find a way. Ridley too like the first drive or the, maybe the first two drives like I was like okay right Calvin Ridley's getting 200 targets this year which hey I'm fine with that plan that's that's a fun plan that that can get you on the board and score some points but after like that first couple of drives like it, it almost felt like Arthur Smith thought that he was coordinating the Tennessee offense where. You know, they were running a lot of eye formation. Uh, their fullback, Keith Smith, he played 20 snaps uh, out of, like, 70. Uh, and that's, like, you you really only want to reserve those workloads for, like, the top-tier fullbacks. Like, you know, Kyle Juszczyk or Patrick DeMarco in his prime. Like, guys like that, those are the guys that you want on the field uh, as often as Keith Smith was getting put out there. And they just kept running, like, you know, between the tackle stuff and just getting – absolutely battered and sledgehammered and you know, like I, I like i don't even know if there's much that you can take away from mike davis's performance because you know 3.3 yards per carry isn't good but i just don't think that most of that was his fault and i thought that the times when he had just enough space to get past the line of scrimmage uh he looked pretty good but you know the falcons they gave up six tackles for loss on what 24 non-matt ryan carries so it's just a, a very, very bad spot for them to be in. And, you know, I just don't really see how it gets that much better because you, you wasted the offseason. You don't have a lot, a lot right. of cash for next year, too. So you're just going to have to sit here what you have and be upset at yourself. And uh, right. I'm, I'm, right. I'm transitioning my fandom to NFL Red Zone for the rest of the year after the summer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we yeah, we, we talked – you wrote at length about this that uh, if if – the Falcons weren't going to use a, a pick, uh, you know, they had the number four pick, right? Uh, if they weren't going to use that on a quarterback, uh, then, you know, what you're signaling is like, Hey, we're all in for this year. We're going to make it, we're going to make it work. Uh, and then they get rid of Julio Jones. And, you know, this team clearly is not, I, you know, I don't know as again, it's week one, but just doesn't seem like uh like we're the, the the trajectory is where you as a Falcons fan or any Falcons fan will want it to be. Uh, the Eagles, like you know, I grew up a Philadelphia fan. I think people are excited, right? Jalen Hurts kind of looks like maybe he can be an NFL quarterback, and then the Eagles have three first round picks next year. Uh, you know, so like it's and uh, the offensive line playing well uh, with guys who will be there for a few years uh i guess kelsey probably won't be but um but you know the tackles um certainly bodes well for the future so uh we'll kind of see where it goes from there uh number two in the four verts the bears should play their best quarterback this was uh, this was a lot of a lot of buzz about this over the weekend and just 
people, people making, uh, people bringing up like, oh, don't you remember that, uh, that Aaron Rodgers sat as a rookie and Tom Brady sat as a rookie? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> these comparisons are not uh, in any way uh, comparable. Don't make any sense. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, Tom Brady was a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> he was like fourth on the depth chart as a as a rookie, and uh, Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. Yeah. <laughs> like, and Mahomes was drafted by the Chiefs, and at the time, like Alex Smith, he like just led the NFL in passer rating. Like, you know, like there, right. the, the, I think that's something that gets forgot when you talk about Mahomes sitting. It's like Alex Smith was a really good starter for the Chiefs, like at the time that uh, right. Mahomes joined the team. Like you said. Aaron Rodgers sitting behind goddamn Brett Favre and Drew Bledsoe wasn't a slap either. Right. And Mahomes, like, you know, we made fun of Steven uh, all the time for his his Patrick Mahomes scouting report and saying, like, oh, this guy's pretty raw. I don't like maybe he was a little raw, whereas like Justin Fields, uh, you know, he is ready. Like This guy is uh, he's really good. Um, He's better than Andy Dalton. And. Yeah, right. I just don't understand. And I guess we can kind of use this as like a Bears Rams recap where if you're Matt Nagy and you're looking at the other side of the field and you see what the Rams have done, where you take Jared Goff, who, you know, capable starter, you know, had, had some pretty nice plays, honestly, against the 49ers, just not good enough to get you over that hump. And there's like a, a physical, a level of physical talent that can help you get over the next level. Like that's why. Patrick Mahomes was eventually brought in over Alex Smith, even though Alex Smith was a capable starter. There's just something that having that, you know, for whatever speed, being able to throw the ball over the moon, like that just unlocks a different part of your offense. And, you know, I just don't think that the the Bears are reasonably at a point where they can look at themselves and say, Andy Dalton is going to save our jobs because why would he like, he's just not that guy. And, you know, he's had some solid years in the past, but last year you kind of start to see the decline of Andy Dalton. What's that looks like. I mean, it's not like he was playing with a bunch of scrubs in Dallas last year. Like they still had their, their receivers and and running back out there uh, for most of the year. And it just, it it looked like Andy Dalton. So if you're Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and you're trying to come up with a way to save your job, I I guess there's just a disconnect from me to, you know, what other people are saying where it's like keeping Andy Dalton on the field will allow them to prolong their job security because to me, every day that you don't play your best quarterback shows a level of incompetence. And I just don't know why they are unwilling to just go fully commit on this because they, they clearly believe in his talent because, one, they traded for him. Uh, they traded up for him in the first round to get him. And two, right. when they need a play at the goal line, they're not going to Andy Dalton. They're going to Justin Fields. When when they get close to the, right. the goal line, they're going to what they deem to be the better option in that situation. And I just want to be like, hey, open your open your eyes up. Like that can be the better situation for you all across the field. And it's not to say that you know Justin Fields is a guaranteed Pro Bowl or Hall of Famer than that, but I'm willing to bet he's better than Andy Dalton. And I don't think that right. that's such an outlandish thing for the Bears to believe in. Right. And what's your end game with Andy Dalton? Like Matt Nagy has this is his fourth season. Uh in the previous three, they've they've what made it to the wild card game twice and lost. And like that's your ceiling. Like that's that's like that is Andy Dalton, right? Like that's who he is as a player. Like he's a wild card loss. Like like that's just your ceiling with, with Andy Dalton playing quarterback. Like why not 
let Justin Fields learn and and see where you're going to get. You know, it's a long season. You get him snaps now. Uh, like you said, like if if you're comfortable using him in pressure situations, in the toughest place to play, right? Like the red zone is the toughest place for a quarterback to make a play, either running or throwing, and you're comfortable using him there. Like it's just time, man. Just do just it. put him in. Just, put him in. Because right. what's the worst that can happen? He like the the thing they is another thing is with Andy Dalton. If let's just say that he repeats like whatever five point eight yards per attempt for the whole season, or five point four, excuse me. Like that's the worst quarterback in the league. Like you, you had a performance that t- statistically, it's going to end you up with a first round, a first overall pick. So, like that's not good enough to save your job. Clearly, you believe in Fields' talent. So let's just, let's get this thing going. You you saw on the other side of the field when you have a quarterback who can physically make plays that your other guy could not. It just opened things up for you in a way that it would be really beneficial for the Bears to have on the field. And I just think that until they do that. They're, they're just kind of wasting everyone's time, including their own. And I, I think if you're not going to make that switch to Justin Fields, I don't know why that there's I don't I just don't know why they're still there. Right. Totally agree. Uh, all right. Let's go to the third uh, third point in four verts. And this is one that uh, you a situation that you're pretty close to. The Giants need to look in the mirror. Uh, I, this franchise feels like it is destined for like a complete rebuild, like general manager, coach, quarterback, <laughs> like yeah. just, just wipe everything out because whatever they're trying to do right now, this it's, is not it. It's baffling. Like how, how, okay. I, I won't say it's baffling because I really don't think anyone believes in the decision makers over there. So like how, them getting right. to this point is not the baffling thing. It's just, you have allocated so much money and so many draft picks into this team and you're still not any good. Like you, so you've, you've missed on the Andrew Thomas pick probably. And if you didn't miss on him, you missed on Mekhi Becton, Jedrick Wills and uh, Tristan Wirfs, who all appear to be a good deal better than uh, Andrew Thomas and are headed for like legit star tackle, like, guys that you think about and we don't ever think about offensive linemen. Like that's, I think that's where those guys are headed. We'll see what happens with Beckton after this injury, but still. Uh, you don't have the quarterback. You spent the sixth overall pick on a guy who was like the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the ACC that year. Uh, it, <laughs> like statistically, like not even one of the most impressive ACC quarterbacks. Like you're, I don't know what, what you're seeing to make your bets there, but yeah. Uh, and you know, the defense is good, I think, and I think they'll play a lot better throughout the season because they have talent on the back end. And uh, Patrick Graham is a, a really good defensive coordinator, and he, he's going to show a lot of looks that confuse offenses. But we've seen in this league that, you know, relying on your defense is not like a sustainable strategy from, from year to year. And it's not like they have overwhelming talent in the front seven where this is going to be like, right. Right. They got, they got no pressure on. I mean, I, mean, I, I thought Teddy Bridgewater looked, I, I do want to mention that. I thought he looked much more athletic, much more comfortable than he has in recent years. And he was like, he was throwing the ball to different parts of the field. It was a, it was a much different Teddy Bridgewater uh, than I thought than I expected to see a much more dynamic player, but he's still not, you know, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's not Lamar Jack. Like he's, he's a guy that they should have brought down probably a couple times and they just had no push. Yeah. I mean, there was just, the, the, like you said, the front seven did nothing. So, uh, 
it's just not a lot to get just, excited about if you're there's Giants. almost nothing to get excited about like if you're right if you're if you're backtracking and looking at things that these guys have said throughout the offseason you know in a, a commitment to daniel jones in a class where you know shoot mac jones looks better than daniel jones does and he, you're right. sitting there before the draft, no, Daniel Jones is our guy. Well, why? Why are you making that commitment? Like, why are you closing yourself off from better options? Or why are you bringing back Nate Solder? Or even if you're bringing him back, why are you not letting the young guy, Matt Pert, get snaps over him at right tackle? I mean, it, it's just really, really bizarre decision-making. And they've thrown so many assets at this team to not really get anything back. Like, hopefully, once once Saquon Barkley gets right and – uh you know, starts to heal from his ACL injury and gets used to like the speed of the game again. Maybe that's something that can change things for you. But as things stand right now, like they really need to just like, like I said, look in the mirror and get serious about their self scouting and just thinking about what the hell are we going to do next? Because, you know, next year we have a ton of money allocated to this roster and we can't get much production out of this. It might be time for a coaching change already after two years. Dave Gelman, if this is bad again, certainly will not be returning to New York. I mean, he's already on the hot seat, uh, you know, coming out of last season. So it's just a, a lot of bad vibes. And, and Jason Garrett, like, dude, I, I, just, I don't get it. You, you've been around really good offenses basically your entire career in Dallas. You had Tony Romo, Dak Prescott, Scott Linehan was like – a fine enough play caller for you to like get to the playoffs a couple times. And then Kellen Moore, like he's looks like one of the brighter young play callers in the league. I don't understand how right. your offense is this stale and this bad and just has no creativity whatsoever. So vanilla, man. Yeah. It's just, just nothing going on. Uh, yeah. I mean, I really feel like if you, I, there's a couple teams this week that you watch and you're just like, well, they need to start over. Yeah. <laughs> and and the giants were very high on that list. Um, your uh, fourth fourth uh, bullet point here for the Forverts is <laughs> about Chandler Jones, who probably just sacked somebody as we were talking. Uh, had five in uh, against the Titans. Um, I, I want to break down. Tell me, you know, you you say in here like uh, I don't. I, I was going to try to break this down, uh, but words don't do it justice. Watch the film, and I totally agree with that. But I wanted to ask you uh, what. Uh, did he was it just beating Taylor Lewan? Like, did he just really own Lewan at, at this moment? Because Lewan, like, he's not great, but he's he's a serviceable right. NFL tackle. He was good like, enough to get that extension from Tennessee. So, right, right. I, I guess. I mean, it, the thing is, like, there there wasn't much to say about it. Also, because he was just like using the same move, like for three and a half. Like, I'm just gonna get off the snap. I'm gonna run around you. I'm gonna run full speed in Ryan Tannehill, and it like. I don't understand how maybe Luan is still hurt or or what, but you know there there was no adjustment on his part. Like, because usually what happens is like, let's say like you're an offensive tackle and you'll you're getting beat off the edge a lot. Like guys are just running right by you. So what you'll do like at the snap of the ball is you'll you'll try to get out your stance faster, which you know it'll protect that outside edge, but might leave you. Uh, open the inside moves and sometimes you'll see guys like they bail too hard out and they get beat with a rip move or swim move inside and get the quarterback sacked but this wasn't that like it was just the same thing over and over again for Luan and then Luan went out of the game I think at halftime and some 71 came in and there was one sack that Chandler Jones had where 
I mean, it was just straight up, get the hell out of my way. Threw him on the ground. Yeah. Got a strip sack on Ryan Tannehill for his fifth sack of the game. And it was just total destruction. And, you know, I will say that the first of his five sacks, while it was definitely a great play, anytime you get a, a strip sack on a defensive as a defensive player, you're feeling good. But the first play, right. th- that sack was almost all on Ryan Tannehill because if you go back and you watch it, they're running like this play action, you know, play action stuff that we've seen the Titans run for the past, you know, two or three years, whatever. And one thing about play action is, is if you're going to be a team that goes hard on your play action fakes. And what I mean by that is on this play, like they don't really have anyone to hold Chandler Jones accountable on the backside of the play. Like no fullback right. coming out or a tight end coming out or, you know, a route coming in his area where maybe he wants to stay home and and play that side of the field. You know, if you're going to go all out on your play action and just leave Chandler Jones unblocked, the quarterback you can't you can't roll into him. Then. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, not only that, but the quarterback like, Ryan Tannehill he needs to sell the fake better. Like if you go back and watch that play, he does a quick ball fake to Derrick Henry, and he doesn't even extend the ball out far enough for it to look like Derrick Henry has the ball. Like, if you can see on the broad, broadcast angle, angle that Ryan Tannehill clearly has the ball in his hands and never got the ball close to Derrick Henry, we know that Chandler Jones can see it as someone who's been in the NFL for, you know, a decade and has a chance to be a Hall of Famer at this point. And you just give him a free beeline to come and kill you. So, Ryan Tannehill, that one's on you. The rest of it, bro, I don't know what is up with Tennessee, but – you know, I guess our, our departed pal, Stephen Ruiz, he gets a pat on the back for that article he wrote about the Titans earlier this summer where he, he was just like, this team is not a, a – they're not ready for the Super Bowl talk right. yet. And they certainly didn't look like it on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we we had questions about Todd Downing, the new offensive coordinator, who I think he had called plays like one other time for the Raiders. Uh, nothing, nothing impressive there. Whether he could replicate what Arthur Smith did, you know, it's it. Uh, Stephen also uh, often talked about uh, play action as a cheat code for a quarterback, and that's really what makes Tannehill good. It's what make, makes Baker Mayfield good. Like. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's simple for a coach to do, right? And I think we saw that this weekend, like. I don't know what the, the, the Titans were trying to do, but because uh, I don't think the Cardinals have that great of a defense, right? Like, uh, and and the Titans just look lost. Um, how did you feel about? We also have been talking a lot about Cliff Kingsbury and and whether he would catch his offense up a little bit and really use the talent of Kyler Murray. It just seems like he has been reluctant to let Murray throw the ball around. I'm not sure that that he. Uh, created a game plan this week uh, built toward that. But Kyler Murray ended up winging the ball all around the field. Mostly it seemed on broken plays or sort of doing his own thing. Uh, Murray was fantastic. Yeah, he was, he was crazy. Not, yeah, but I'm not sure that Kingsbury – I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that like this offense is really there yet where where it needs to be to, to use that talent from Murray. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like it wasn't really Cliff that much. It was just – you know, Murray right. runs a four three and can throw the ball eighty yards, and that right. can help you a lot. And it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, you know the Bears conundrum with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. I mean, when you when you just have a guy that can just make plays unlike anyone else in the field, it gives you a leg up. And I I kind of just felt like that game was Kyler taking over, and uh, you know I I don't know if it was 
much more than that. You know, you 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 had a former number one overall pick looking like a number one overall pick. And I, I also think that when we come back and look at some of the stuff that was said about the Titans in the preseason, I'm not sure enough was made about just how bad this defense is. Like, they weren't a good unit last year, and I, they didn't really add all that much. I mean, you, you, you got Bud Dupree, but, you know, I, I always kind of looked at him as, like, just the second guy in Pittsburgh who – mainly benefited off playing with like four other savages on the defensive line. Uh, And, you know, you got Caleb Farley, who when I watched him on the film, like he, you see the athleticism and all the traits in the world, but he just kind of seemed like he was still struggling with that back injury that caused him to slide uh, in the draft a little bit. And maybe that's something that clears up, but as things stand right now, the Titans, they don't really have a good defense. And, you know, we definitely saw that yesterday. All right, we talked a little bit about the uh, Raiders-Ravens game earlier, uh, but I just wanted to know your takeaway, uh, specifically for the Ravens. I mean, this is a team that had pretty high hopes. Uh, A lot of people think is a a legit Super Bowl contender. We have questioned Greg Roman um, and and whether he's changed his offense enough. You know, he built – I think we all agree that he built a perfect offense for Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson – first emerged as Baltimore's starting quarterback, you know, he, they, they had sort of the Flacco offense and it was really clear that they weren't doing anything for Lamar. They came out the next season and they had developed an offense. that was wholly different from most of what we see in the NFL and it really worked, but uh, I'm not sure that we've seen enough adjustments since then. Um, and, and I think that's probably where the concern has to be for Baltimore right now. The defense uh, they've had a ton of injuries, you know, were de- decimated. I think last it was the last time we were, were we were recording the show, right? That uh, you you broke in with the update that, um, you know, that, that they had more injuries at both running back and cornerback. Yeah. They've been dealing with that, um, but I I feel like the defense will probably be okay. You know, Wink Martindale generally figures it out, but I'm not sure about this offense, man. Well, the offensive line is pretty bad. Like right. they're they're still in a spot where they're struggling, and uh, I, I guess the most alarming thing to me, if I'm a Ravens fan, yesterday is that Ronnie Stanley just did not look like the Ronnie Stanley that we have been accustomed to seeing, who was like arguably the best left tackle in the league up until uh, he suffered that Achilles injury last year, and he just looked super slow out of his stance. So maybe. He's playing his way back in shape, but he's so he's not someone that usually is going to get wrecked by, you know, Yannick Ngakwe uh, multiple times throughout the game and uh, Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, man, yeah, like there's just no way to put it. Like he was terrible yesterday. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess that there's a reason why Pittsburgh didn't really feel a reason or reason to uh, move on from him, but they were put in a bad spot when Orlando Brown wanted out and wanted to be. A left tackle to honor his dad and you know I, I guess I respect the Ravens for honoring that request but you left yourself in a big hole where you are relying on someone who is like an outcast from one of the worst offensive lines in the league to start for you uh, I thought Zeitler like had a pretty solid game but you know the rest yeah. of the line not good and when sometimes I think when Lamar goes into you know superman hero mode he gets a little careless with the football not in terms of interceptions but fumbles uh that that was a really sloppy game from him last night and 
I I don't think that that's something we're going to see every night because honestly, like outside of a, a few throws, I thought that he was pretty solid throwing the ball yesterday. You, you had the big clutch throw to Sammy Watkins late in the game, but way too many fumbles, way too much pressure allowed. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think that the offensive line is going to be a major source of issues for them all season. Yeah. Uh, how about the Raiders? I mean, any any feeling there that – I mean, it's just it, – Obviously, a big game, a big home game for them. Like there was a lot of hype around it. Uh, do you feel like this team is going to compete at all? Uh, I'm still not convinced. I mean, Max Crosby had the game of his life, but they just kind of seem one like a little bit too centric on Darren Waller, which is, I guess, a little alarming with the first round pick we spent on Henry, Henry Ruggs. And I know he had a big play late in the game, but you know, Darren Waller had 19 of Derek Carr's 56 pass attempts. Uh, oh, my god! Which is just unbelievable amount of, you know, production, but also just a heavy workload for, I don't know if that's something that's sustainable for him for the whole season. So I guess with the Raiders, I just kind of want to see more. Uh, we'll see what happens when Richie Incognito gets back into the lineup. But uh, I, I feel, like I don't feel as bad about the Raiders as I do as about as the Ravens because I feel the Ravens just is like very definitive flaws. Like, okay, you know, Lamar's going to have to go beast mode again. This offensive line is not very good, but with the Raiders, just like Derek Carr kind of had an up and down performance until the end of the game. Uh, and then the, the rest of the team is like, we'll, we'll see what happens when they're playing. You know, I, I guess a team that has a more standard offensive line because you're not going to get too many matchups against Villanueva who just like legitimately could not move at all yesterday. Yeah, uh, let's jump to Kansas City, Cleveland. This is uh, this was what a, an afternoon game Sunday looked like it would be our first big upset of the season, uh, and then Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill did what they do. Uh, I mean, I think that they have sort of like we I, we joked last year all the time, right? Like that they they Kansas City would just toy with teams, like they they just sort of like, and then they would turn it on at some point in the game. Uh, and it felt a little bit like that's what happened here. Uh, but, but I think, you know, Cleveland is a legitimate team too. I mean, you know, this is, uh, it's probably however far Baker Mayfield can carry them is, is how far they're going to go. But, um, you know, they don't have, they don't have Odell Beckham, uh, yet. So, you know, there's, there's room to grow, but, uh, it's just a good football game and, and the chiefs, you know, this is why. Last week when we talked about it, we said it's, you know, it's the Chiefs League and everybody else is trying trying to catch up uh, with the AFC. Um, what, what did you take away from this? Game? Honestly, I felt better about the Browns as after the game was over, uh, just because like the the, the punter play like, that that's just horrible luck. And it's just not something that, you know, I, I know it's like the Browns are cursed or whatever, but I, I don't want to use that as a reason, like, as they can't beat the Chiefs in the future. Uh, and then, honestly, the interception that Baker had to end the game, he he said after the game that he was trying to throw the ball away. And, honestly, after, like, at first I watched it and I was like, dude, what are you doing? And then when he said that, I went back and watched it again. Like, I, I, I'm inclined to believe him, honestly, because, yeah, uh, you know, he's running up. He's still in the pocket. Like, he hasn't broken the tackle box yet, right? So he's trying to get away from a sack. And I guess the first thing he sees is Harrison Bryant standing next to the sideline. And I, I'm guessing that his thought was, 
as he's falling down, he can get enough juice on the ball to get the ball out of bounds while also avoiding an intentional grounding penalty. But he didn't. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, it was intercepted and the game was over. But as as a whole, like, I feel pretty good about the Browns after that performance. Uh, to me, that that was just like a, a heavyweight Right. right, and you know, someone's yeah. got to lose. And I, like, if I'm a Browns fan, I'm not walking away discouraged from that game at all because we can hang with the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's not a thing where we have the caveat, you know. But Matt Moore is in the game now. Like, we can do this against Mahomes, and hopefully, we get another shot at the AFC title game. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a rare game where both I think both fan bases walk away feeling pretty good. You know, like. The teams have room to grow too. The Chiefs, you know, the, the offensive line has been rebuilt. Like, might take a few weeks for them really to come together and gel. Uh, you know, Mahomes' weapons changed a little bit. He, he sort of was super. I mean, he's always going to be super reliant on on Hill and Kelsey, but uh, you know, you figure that the offense will broaden a little bit uh, as the season goes on. So there's just room for for both teams to grow. Um, another afternoon game, uh, this one, uh, New Orleans Saints 38, Green Bay Packers 3. Uh, you look at this, you look at the box score here and you think that Jameis Winston is now just the most efficient quarterback in the history of the NFL. He's just out here making all the right plays, right? Like that's, that's who he is now. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, <laughs> 148 passing yards, five TDs. Yeah. Also, someone looked it up and it was like the lowest passing, the, the, the lowest number of passing yards with, uh, five touchdowns in NFL history. So I'm sure I honestly, my biggest takeaway was this Packers defense. Like they, they are dressed differently in the way that like their coverages are run and stuff like that. But functionally, like they kind of got steamrolled in the same way that the other Packers team defenses have. I mean, the Saints offensive line, which is totally Overwhelming, not just in the run game. Uh, they had 171 yards, uh, average 4.4 yards per carry. They allowed zero tackles for loss, zero sacks uh, the entire game, which is just like when you're when you're in that territory where you're not allowing any negative plays in the backfield, uh, you are like it's really hard to lose those games and. Uh, on the flip side, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just couldn't get anything going. The Packers offense got just dominated from you know the start of the game to the end of the game. So it, it, it was kind of weird, like how complete of a performance the Saints was. Like that part was weird, definitely. But like the most concerning part to me, if, if like if I'm thinking about from a Packers perspective, is like is our front seven good enough to get us to where we need to be? Because I, I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to play like that again for the rest of the season if, if you're a Packers fan. Right. Uh, that, like, honestly, that was the worst, one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Right, uh, yeah, he was terrible. Yeah. He, he was just flat out bad. It, like, it, but if you're a Packers fan, you, you kind of believe that that will re- like correct itself as the season goes on. But the defensive line getting stomped by good offensive lines is something that keeps happening over and over and over again. Right. Yeah, like we know who Aaron Rodgers is. There's no question there. Uh, what type of player he is. He's done it so many times, but uh, the the Packers do have a new defense coordinator, Joe Barry, that they hired away from the Brandon Staley uh, line, you know, so they're going to go with that sort of defense. Was it just a case where 
they're not caught up on running that defense? Or wh- what do you think? You, know, you said it, it looked different, but the results were the same. Uh, is, is there any reason that as a pa- if, a, if you're a Packers fan that you believe like the results will change over the course of the season uh, as things go? Yeah, I guess one thing that, you know, our, that Justice was telling me uh, during the game or, or after the game, he was like, you got to hope that Eric Sokes can get in the lineup over Kevin King because – yeah. Basically, every <laughs> offensive mind worth a damn when they play the Packers, they're like, "Where's number twenty? Where is number twenty? Because that's where the ball's going." Uh, if you go back and watch the uh, NFC Championship game against the Bucks, Tom Brady when he was dropping back to pass, where the hell is number twenty? Because <laughs> because that's where we're going to go get our big plays before halftime when they need big play. Where's twenty? Where's Kevin King? And it, it's funny like if you go back. And watch if you go back and just scroll through Justice's media on Twitter at Jumas J U M O S Q. He is every time Kevin King makes a bad play, he tweets out the gift from Home Alone with the mom is going, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> so you know that that was kind of where the the Packers. I, I think that that's something that the Packers can definitely you know help themselves in, and and you know you're not going to have too many games where you make negative like zero negative plays in the backfield. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just alarming that when you come across one of these teams that has just a powerhouse off the line like the Saints do, you're you're kind of just getting your blows thrown off every single time. Uh, all right, let's get into the – I think I grouped all of these games together, the, the rookie quarterback games. Uh, let's start with maybe the one who looks – best uh mac jones in, in a losing effort uh, the dolphins beat the patriots 17 to 16 but uh, you know matt jones looked pretty good right like looked like he knew what he was doing yeah. uh certainly certainly not perfect by any means but seemed to be in rhythm seemed to make most of the right throws seemed to get his team where uh where it needed to go based on what he saw from the defense like a ton to go off of i feel like yeah i mean i thought he looked better than tua uh Right. And, you know, I, they both had tough tests to start the season. So uh, I, I, I I just continue to be impressed by Mac Jones, which is not something that I expected after the draft. But, you know, the universe has a weird way of working. And, you know, just like all the things you said, it's like all the things that people were saying about Mac Jones, quick delivery, get the ball out, accurate, blah, 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 blah. Like all that stuff looks to be true. It's like the only thing that keeps you from getting really excited about him is – is that arm going to be good enough to really push the ball down the field? But hey, we'll we'll see what happens. I like I think if you're a Patriots fan, first game you should be pretty happy with Mac Jones playing. If you're a Dolphins fan with Tua, I know you got the win, but mm, it's, that was a, a little shaky performance. All right, yeah. Mac Jones finished twenty nine for thirty nine, two hundred eighty one yards, one TD, no interceptions, just took one sack. Like just a really clean game from him. Exactly what they need. Uh, Damian Harris rushed for exactly a hundred yards. Uh, you know, like this. It certainly looks like the Patriots are potentially back on track. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, especially with the Bills losing. Um, it's going to be interesting in that. That division for sure. Uh, Texans Jags. Oh, uh, what what was this game, man? What 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 even happened? I, Tyrod uh, conjured the ghosts of Steve McNair somehow. I mean, which is playing out of his mind. I I I failed to think of a game that Tyrod has played in the NFL better than that. Uh, I mean, just evading sacks, deep balls were on point. 
really just accurate to all levels of the field, thrown on the run. Like, it was just crazy. Like, I, I know the, the Jaguars is the Jaguars, but, like, when you have you, – you, I'm still watching you complete these tight window throws. I have to put some credence into that, you know? Like, that was just a crazy performance. Uh, and I just don't know what to make of Texans. Like, is this still an apocalyptically bad team, or are they just a regularly bad team? Uh I don't know, but for David Colley to get that win in that right. manner, like I'm almost ready to give him coach of the year. That was just <laughs> unbelievable. I right. And I mean it was it was glaring too because the Jags looked so unprepared in so many ways. Yeah. You know, they had uh they got you know too many guys in the huddle, they had delays a game. Like, it looked like they had no idea like the Texans were very professionally put together. Uh, like, you know, as you said, David Coley was like a guy that no one expected to become a head coach. He's a, he was a, he's a coach who's been around the NFL forever who nobody talked about. Uh, but he obviously knows how to run a team. Like he is very clear that the Texans were prepared. Uh, whereas the Jags, you know, there were reports prior to this game and multiple outlets that uh, it, that experiment with Urban Meyer running a team of professionals, all dudes making, you know, real money, some of them making more money than him, uh, that he is having trouble with that side of it, that he is not resonating with the players, that he is, uh, you know, as, as we always say, losing the locker room in some ways. And it it looked that way as you watch the Jaguars. Like, it just was not a, like, yeah. it was not a well, well uh, thought out effort by them. Um I thought Trevor Lawrence had like you saw his arm on tape a couple times where you're just like whoa this those throws are amazing but he was not put in position we were wondering after watching the preseason like so wait are the Jags are they holding back from what they're actually going to do or is this their offense and I I think that might be their offense yeah really disappointing for those of us who wanted to see Trevor Lawrence yeah get opportunity and I I think with the the Jaguars it's like. You have Trevor Lawrence. And personally, personally, like it, I thought that Trevor Lawrence played a pretty damn good game. Like I know, that, I know the interceptions are bad, but I tend to look at it as a rookie. Like, are we seeing the right. things that we wanted to see from you that made you this pick in the first place? And I think with Trevor, like there were so many throws where it's like the Jaguars haven't had anyone that can do something like this in such a long time, and it was just so promising. Like the the high, like, not only just like the fact that he was looking like a real quarterback, but just like the difficulty in some of these throws was just like, it, 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 it kind of proved to me like, wow, like we were kind of all right. in thinking that this is one of the best quarterback prospects we've ever seen. And once these interceptions get cleaned up, like he's going to torch people, but it's just hard to feel good about where the Jaguars are organizationally. And honestly, like I've talked to multiple people who root for the Jaguars this weekend and all of them are like, yo, I hope Urban takes that USC job, and, <laughs> I, and the fact that we're here after one week, one week, it's, it's just <laughs> unbelievable. It's unbelievable, but also like sort but of also, what all of us said, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we're like, uh, like, is this really going to work? Yeah, and, and then the, like there have been you know whispers, I guess reports this week, and where it's like you know Urban kind of already tired of the NFL lifestyle. I'm like, dude, what did you think you were getting yourself into? I mean, <laughs> it's not like Urban came and, you know, Bill Belichick retires and Urban takes over this team that's already built. Like, this is something Urban's never done, lose, and he's going to lose a lot. And that's just kind of like right. the nature of rebuilding the team. But when you read these reports and talk to people and he's getting pissed off after preseason losses and, like, really upset, 
you you gotta like take a step back and get the whole picture here, dude. Like it, it's it's a lot. Like coaching the NFL is a lot, and uh, you're gonna have to figure this out on your own without you know alienating people. And if he's not interested in doing that, then I guess he can head back to college. Right. Uh, speaking of teams that are going to lose a lot this year, the uh, Carolina Panthers beat the New York Jets 19-14. to 14. Uh, This is a game where probably, I, I don't know if either team felt good coming out of this no. one. I mean, I, I guess you could pretend Sam Darnold had an okay debut uh, for the Panthers, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It, I, I didn't see anything that really proves anything more than what we thought he was. You know, yeah. that he was – a guy who could do that. And then the Jets, uh, Zach Wilson just got beat up. And now if Mekhi Becton, you know, a player that we love, if he's out, they're, they're in just a world of trouble. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure, you know, this is just two teams that are going to go through it this year, I think. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was just the, the only thing I really feel good about after that game is Chris McCaffrey looked awesome. Uh Right. And that's kind of all I got, really. Uh, Sam Darnold, uh, he had an okay debut. I mean, uh, the pass to Robbie Anderson was nice, and I'm sure it had to feel good for those guys to get that touchdown. I mean, uh, after the, the years that they spent in New York, uh, they got that touchdown. But outside of that, like, it was just a lot of short stuff to Christian McCaffrey and some of the other guys. I mean, there's a nice throw to DJ Moore down the sideline, but I don't really feel like they asked Sam to do all that much. And on the, the flip side, I actually thought Zach Wilson put together a nice game, but you know, mm-hmm. you're you're like it's like trying to land a, a ship that's on fire, uh, or, or a plane that's on fire. They, there's there's not much going on. The offensive line was dreadful. Uh Mikhail Beckton got hurt. Receivers were dropping passes. I mean, it, it just there wasn't a whole lot going on. And I, I don't really have much to say about the Jets until they just start to look like a real team. Right. Yeah, it was just the polar opposite of, of you know, we were talking about the Eagles and Hurts, and they just they asked him to do what he could do. Like, Zach Wilson would have – they were just asking – he had to do everything. You know, like, there was just so much he would have had to lift the Jets, and he almost did. Uh, but it's just not not a good formula at this point. Uh, yeah, hold on. I, I got to gonna... step aside real quick. I'll be back in, like, two okay. seconds. <laughs> All right, let's jump to uh, Niners-Lions, uh, one of the situations where the uh, first-round quarterback is not yet starting. Uh, the 49ers are sort of platooning, I guess, a little bit, uh, working Trey Lance in here and there. Um, what what did you make from this game? You know, how, how good can the 49ers be? Is this how it's going to play out this season where they're going to rotate Garoppolo and uh, Trey Lance? Or are we moving toward Lance being the guy? Uh, I think they're going to rotate, honestly. And I, I think that Kyle Shanahan might be like one of the few guys <laughs> in, in NFL. <laughs> we let Shanahan get away with anything. We, we do. We really do. But Kyle Shanahan, he can do whatever. I, I really do feel like he's going to be good enough to – figure this out and get away with it to a degree. Uh, mm-hmm. Because here's here's the difference where when Justin Fields came in that game, uh, and the thing of the first on the first drive against the Rams, you know, they just kind of did some weird play, like where they got down to the red zone and Justin Fields came in and he just threw like a, a pass, like not even a play action pass or RPO read option fake, zone read fake, like, just a normal pass. Uh, 
and it didn't really make much sense. But then when Trey Lance comes in, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then when, when Trey Lance comes in uh, and they're down like on the five or six yard line against some Lions, there's a plan for him. You know, there's a, it's a, like a zone read fake. And then, you know, you get your options to pass after that. And to me, like the difference there where you see the clarity and what the, they want these guys to do when they come and get their first snaps in the NFL kind of gave me more faith that Kyle Shanahan is going to be the guy to figure this out and have, uh, you know, Trey Lance puts in positions to succeed, even if he's not going to be starting every week. And uh, I personally like am pretty against the idea of like rotating your quarterbacks in all throughout the season. But, you know, this guy has probably earned enough faith from us for him to be able to figure this out. And I mean, dude, they score 41 points and the, the, the packages in which Trey Lance came in like they're not breaking up the court like the the flow of the offense the rhythm of the offense whatsoever i mean it was just right I, honestly i know the lines are rebuilding and just kind of in the dumps but i thought that was a really masterful performance by the whole 49ers offense right and i feel like they kind of turned it off at halftime they were they had a commanding lead and it seemed like they eased off i'm not sure how much shanahan really showed of what he wants to do in the second half and the lions sort of came charging back uh I think we all figured the Lions would play hard and never give up because uh, their coach will probably bite their kneecaps off if they yeah. don't. Um, so uh, <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Jared Goff was like awful uh, when it mattered early in the game. And then when it was like hero ball time, he looked okay, which is a very Jared Goff way to go to approach things, I guess. Uh, and, you know, I mean, this is just another team that uh, expected nothing out of this team as far as I'm concerned. And that's sort of where they're at. Um, There's nothing really to take from, from this. Yeah. Uh, they, they stink. They, they're right. going to, they're going to try hard. So whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's what they get for the coach they hired. You know, that's, that's what they bought. Uh, let's talk about the Steelers and bills. This is uh, probably a, maybe a surprising one for people that Steelers win 23, 16, um, uh, just like a, such a typical Steeler, like Mike Tomlin Steelers. Like it feels like this is obviously he would, he would love to have Ben Roethlisberger still be good. Right. And still be able to throw the ball all, all around the field and have an exciting offense. But since that's not the case, like just sort of grinding teams down with a defense that is just going to put relentless pressure on on opposing teams and letting Roethlisberger like make a play here or there seems like their formula and it worked in week one yeah I mean I thought Roethlisberger was just abysmal in this game but hey right. you got the quarterback that's just sort of who he is yeah now, right? he, like, he, he's just not a good quarterback now, honestly yeah honestly I, I don't think Josh Allen played quite as bad as maybe the numbers show in this game, but the, I think the, the Bills, like, they might just be in this area, like, where you just have this one team that you just can't get past. Like, even if on paper everything looks better in favor of the Bills, like, you just kind of struggle for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't, like, put this loss on Josh Allen. I think that maybe this is a situation where you, you kind of got unlucky and, and you know, they, they had a lot of penalty yards, too. Uh, they had eight penalties for 81 yards, which just it's going to be tough to win with that, too. Uh, and, you know, they weren't quite as explosive as they were last year uh, just throughout the whole game. So I don't know if this is a situation where you struggle with Pittsburgh in general because last year they kind of got 
the clamps put on them by Pittsburgh's defense too. And to be fair, like this is a defense that is loaded with talent, like from, you know, the middle of the defense, crazy talent. I mean, you're talking about uh, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tua, TJ Watts back, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick patrolling in the back, Devin Bush, like down the middle of the Steelers defense. I'm not sure that there's a better unit in the league. Uh, You're just kind of, you got to figure out how to attack those corners and figure that out. And maybe Buffalo is just not quite there yet. But, you know, I don't think that Pittsburgh is a better team than Buffalo on a whole. It's just kind of a good matchup for them, I guess. Right. I mean, it's a defense that can get pressure. And I didn't, I should have looked up the blitz numbers, but I don't, I feel like they probably weren't blitzing that much and still got pressure on Josh Allen. You know, and like that's that's the recipe, right? Like if you can if you can have guys in coverage and still move a quarterback, then like that's that's what that's the number one thing a defense wants to do. Uh, and like you said, the Steelers appear to be in a better position than pretty much any other team to do that and and have the dudes in place to to make that happen. Uh, Seahawks Colts uh, this the the Carson Wentz. Uh, era in Indianapolis is off to maybe a rocky start. Um, you and I were talking before the show, like this, yeah, like there's a lot of people in Indy saying, let's not blame Carson Wentz. Things around him fell apart. The offensive line wasn't as good as it needs to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can tell you that that's the same stuff that was said a lot in Philadelphia. There just seems to be something about Carson Wentz that like people are hesitant to blame him when, the team around him does not function. Whereas most of the time we look at a quarterback and say, well, uh, his team didn't get it done. Like that's it, probably a lot of it on the quarterback. And I think it was, I mean, from what I saw this game, it was the same Carson Wentz issues. The Seahawks won 28, 16. Russell Wilson was Russ. Like they have a new offense that they're doing, doing things a little bit differently. Uh, it seemed to work out, but uh, you know, I think really the story here is just the Colts, like, I, I'm not, you know, Carson Wentz, this is who he is. Like, he's a guy who's uh, going to try to make plays and he gets himself in trouble so much. And and he does not, like, if, if the offensive line is not perfect for him, he, he, he gets moving and he tries to make his own thing happen and it's not good. Uh, and I, I think we saw that. In this yeah, I mean, he looked better than he did last year. I'll give him that, but... I mean, that was such a low bar to set, you know. <laughs> he didn't look like the worst quarterback to ever play football. So that, that's a positive step in the right direction for Wentz. Uh, but, it, like, it, the thing to me is, like, when you just look at how these two teams or these two quarterbacks played, it's like, oh, okay, that's how far the Colts have to go to get an elite quarterback or someone that can take down someone like Russell Wilson. I mean, they're just – so far behind, I think, on what this offense needs to be. Uh, And that's just quarterback play. Like, I know that maybe Carson Wentz is dinged up and still healing from that foot injury, and that's why he's struggling. But uh, when you just look at how far apart Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz are, I I don't know what you're supposed to think if you're a Colts fan. Like, this team is not really good enough to go anywhere. And you saw the gap in quarterback time that's going to keep you from, from getting where you need to go. Uh, it, it's just you, you kind of settled for this potential reclamation project when I think you should be asking yourself how good was this project to begin with. Because I know that Wentz had the the 2017 season, but if you go back and you talk to people uh, who are really like heavy in the football dating and stuff, they're like, hey, you know, it's kind of buyer's beware because – 
a lot of that happened on third and long and third down. And, and those stats tend to not be very stable uh, from year to year. Like I don't know anyone that was projecting Wentz to have the season that he did last year where, you know, it just didn't look like he really even belonged on the NFL. Uh, but, you know, I think it's fair to question if this guy really even has a ceiling that's all that high, especially all after all of the, the injuries that he suffered in his career. Yeah. Colts are uh, uh, waiting to get Eric Fisher back. I, you know, I don't know how much that really right. helps their offensive like, line. It's, it's probably a, a little bit, but um, it's just, I, you know, as we've said, like it, just the reclamation project with Carson Wentz is like even the best Carson Wentz is not anywhere near as efficient as Philip Rivers was. Uh, he's he's more dynamic, but <laughs> so often that ends up not being a good thing for, for Carson Wentz's football team because uh, he, he's just as liable to make a bad decision as a good one. Uh, let's talk about the Chargers and the football team, man. Justin Herbert, he's good. He is good at football. Yeah, he really is. Uh, I mean, the, the third down stats were just unreal. Right. Uh like to just utterly insane, and I think that if you're a Chargers fan, like it's got to feel so good to have a quarterback who can just put it on his shoulders and go get you a dub, like when you need to. Uh, and yeah, he he was exceptional. Uh, you know, the defense did some cool things in the brand Staley, and uh, right. yeah, not maybe not the toughest opponent in terms of offenses where you got you know Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Henneke, but. Uh, you know, Justin Fields did what you want him to do. He, he looked like a franchise quarterback and not just franchise quarterback. Like, because when I think about franchise quarterback, I kind of think like someone that's worth handing out a second contract, but he kind of looks like someone who has the potential to go beyond that. Like one of these guys where, you know, they can, they have this, the shoulder width, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, and to put the team on their back and go get this thing done. And I, I just love watching him play because. You know, it's just the, the physicality with the ball just zips out of his hand. Uh, so much power behind it, and the, the sky is just – like, the sky is the floor, like, when it comes to how you're talking about how good this kid can be. And, you know, if, if you're talking about year two, you're putting up a performance where I think he went, like, 13 of 16 on third down with 11 first downs or 10 first downs in that range. Like, that is rare air status. And obviously, like I just said, it's not – you know, I said it about Wentz where you're not going to be – you know, doing these things year to year, but just in a one game sample for a young quarterback, that's really, really exciting stuff to see. Uh, okay, go, let's go back to the Thursday night game. I think that's the last game. I think we got to all of them, um, but the Cowboys Bucks. Uh, we, we were looking ahead to that one. Um, uh, you know, the Bucks like didn't change. They it's basically the same team as last year, and they played like it. Uh, probably the big thing that we were wondering about was Dak Prescott. I thought Dak looked a little shaky, a little, uh, I mean, uh, quite frankly, it looked like he couldn't throw the ball early in the game. Um, but then he was Dak. I mean, he was making uh, all the right decisions. He was finding a way, even though he didn't seem to have his fastball, quote unquote, uh, he was finding a way to complete passes. He was just really good. I mean, he was the guy that we always talk about. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that at first he kind of looked shaky. Like the ball was not coming out his uh, hand yeah. in the, weird. the space, like the, the speed that we're used to. Uh, but he kind of settled in, and I thought maybe he got more comfortable throwing the ball uh, down, like down the field as the game progressed. And the accuracy, the command, the poise of the offense, like he looked so good uh especially for a guy like the last time we saw him 
his leg was in two pieces. And then all we heard all offseason was that he can't throw the ball because his shoulder hurts uh, or all, all training camp, I should say. So, you know, for him to come out and just look like that and take that game over at times when the Cowboys needed great stuff. And, you know, unfortunately, Brady played a hell of a game, too. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay looks like the team to beat and uh, they get a tune up game against the Falcons next week. So I'm sure that'll be fun. Oh boy. Can't wait. All right, let's uh, let's close this show out by taking one performance, one game, and throwing it out. Uh, which 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 team do you think that whatever we saw in Week One is just uh, nothing close to what they actually are? Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's going to sound haterish, but the Eagles, like I'm not convinced. That, <laughs> yeah, uh, of course, was real for them. Like I, I'm happy for Jalen Hurts that he was able to put up that stat line, but. You know, so much of it was just you know, yards after the catch stuff. And I know, like, I, I think he did a good job, you know, running the ball and being, like, a primary ball can- handler for the Eagles offense. But I just want to see them do it against a team that's not going to miss a million tackles and leave guys running wide open down the field. So you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I'm going to go with the Packers. I feel like we obviously know that Aaron Rodgers can be better. I do think there's probably a learning curve. Like Mike Pedine is, you know, running a defense from 15 years ago. And Joe Barry is trying to implement, uh, you know, some pretty complicated stuff. We we wrote a lot about it last year. Uh, what Brandon Staley is asking his defense to do. Joe Barry is trying to bring that uh, and build it and figure out his personnel. You know, I think that's going to get better as the season goes on and that that will be a team that we're talking about in November, December as a potential Super Bowl team. Um, what about which, which, uh, which one are you taking and saying like, wait a minute, this is really who that team is. And, and I was wrong. Is there any team that you like, Oh, wait a minute, <laughs> this, this group is in trouble. Uh, I guess the, the Jaguars look worse than I thought they would because yeah, man. Uh, I will, and I think maybe part of it goes into how bad I thought Texas were going to be. But like the fact that you weren't competitive against that Houston squad, like I, I don't think that this is going to be a team that's good throughout the season. And just kind of crazy that you had really no shot to be in the same ballpark as them the entire game. I I, I just find it hard to believe that this team, even with Trevor Lawrence, like has a chance to be you know, all that competitive. Because when you look at the rest of the AFC South, like, you know, th- this is a chance for the Jaguars to, like, do something kind of surprising here. And right, uh, right. and maybe, I don't know if, if win the division is the right term, but, you know, be competitive for that top spot. And they just weren't close at all against what we all perceive to be the worst team in the league. So uh, that team really surprised me in a bad way. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have, like, an incredible rookie season but they might be bad enough and unorganized enough to the point where it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Titans uh, sticking in the AFC South. Uh, You know, I think we've like thought of this team as potentially falling off a cliff for a long time, right? Because they were built around a running back and that's what happens with running backs. Uh, You know, I'm not saying Derrick Henry's going to be much worse, but that there's something uh, about the equation right now that is not working, uh, you, you know, with Todd Downing calling plays and, uh, you know, talked about them propping up Tannehill. And it just seems like this Arizona team should not have been able to do this 
to uh, Tennessee, and they did. Um, and I, it just feels like you know they lost Dean Pease. I guess that was what last year they didn't have him, but I'm not sure that the defense ever really caught up to where it needed to be, um, and so they're not going to be able to have that to, to carry them through any rough patches with the offense. Uh, so it, it really feels like it could be a down year for them, too, and that, that division now is just totally up in the yeah, air. Yeah, who knows? Maybe the Texans will come out the ashes and win this game. <laughs> that would be such an amazing story. Oh, I, I'm, honestly, I would absolutely love it at this point, so I hope they do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people, uh, you you were around Baltimore when Tyrod was uh, Joe Flacco's backup. Yeah. Like, everyone just wanted Tyrod Taylor to go and have the opportunity to play something. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, 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 he's got a roof for it, you know? Right. He's a fun player. He's, he's a good guy. And he's, he's just gone through a lot of bullshit. Like, the the right. like getting your lung collapsed before a game, and then, oh, Justin Herbert's good, so you're not going to play. Uh, you, like, you have, the year before that, or a couple years before that, you're, you're with Cleveland, and you're just kind of keeping the seat warm for Baker Mayfield. Like he, he, he I'm glad that he's finally got a chance to play because uh, I think uh, it's a safe bet to say that the other guy won't be taking his spot anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's week one, man. It's in the books. We're going to look ahead to week two uh, later in the week. I don't know when we'll record, but we will. Uh, we'll figure out some things to say uh, about what's coming next. Uh, thanks for joining us. Find us on Twitter. You can uh, tell us how bad our opinions are there. He's at Four Verts. I'm at Chris Corman. And uh, we'll talk to you next yep. time. Thanks. Take if care. you have uh, any real complaints, you can send them to uh, at the Stephen Ruiz on Twitter. <laughs> the, make sure it's the Stephen Ruiz, <laughs> except no imposters. Uh, just the Stephen Ruiz. All right. Talk to you guys next time. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.